I'm going to bring up Liz Lem because she's spotlighting our pride person for this Sunday, and I'm loving it. Thank you so much for saying yes, and I'm stepping aside, and I'm giving the, the lectern over to you. Good morning. Elizabeth Bishop, 1911 to 1979. Elizabeth Bishop was one of the 20th century's most important poets. Her life was one of loss, travel, and love. And she loved her first partner, Lora de Macedo Suarez, and her second partner, Alice Metzvacel. She also loved poetry. She won the Pulitzer Prize, and among many other awards. This poem is a villanelle. It's a highly structured poem. She revised it over 20 times, which is proof to her craft as a poet. It was featured in the film Reaching for the Moon, which is about her life with Lotta. Here's the poem, One Art, by Elizabeth Bishop. The art of losing isn't hard to master. So many things seem filled with the intent to be lost that their loss is no disaster. Lose something every day, except the fluster of lost door keys, the hour badly spent. The art of losing isn't hard to master. Then practice losing farther, losing faster, places and names and where it was you meant to travel. None of these will bring disaster. I lost my mother's watch. And look, my last or next to last of three loved houses went. The art of losing isn't hard to master. I lost two cities, lovely ones and vaster. Some realms I owned, two rivers, a continent. I missed them, but it wasn't a disaster. Even losing you, the joking voice, a gesture I loved. I shan't have lied. It's evident the art of losing isn't too hard to master, though it may seem like, say it, like disaster. You know, I think my first Asilomar experience, um, we were in the main hall and uh, a minister, a senior minister, uh, from North Hollywood was the first one to take the stage and and Reverend Mark Vieira walked out wearing a really hot pink tutu and I said to myself I have found my people <laughs> so here we are at Comic-Con weekend oh, gotta love it and you know this is a month of speaking truth so I want to speak some truth on you we're gonna just throw down some truth today we are talking about speaking truth to circumstance or that means really to conditions right truth never changes conditions change all the time every time we turn our back right conditions are changing so <clears throat> so speaking truth means living in the truth being in the truth despite conditions around us even the conditions that don't look anything like truth even the conditions that may look awful or upside down or weird or whatever, we know that, that we stand in the truth. We stand in the truth and we face them. It's not like denying uh, the conditions. We don't deny the conditions like ostriches, you know, like the, you know, the metaphysician in hell. It's like, la, 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 you know, I'm not here and it's not hot, you know. Um, we don't do that. We look through the conditions and say, this is not the truth of me. 
This is not the truth of us. There is a higher truth to be revealed. And when we look at that and we, and we know that about ourselves, then that eventually is what has to outpicture, right? What we're talking about here is really holding the high watch. You know that, um, that expression, holding the high watch, we do it here. Usually there's a practitioner around the room that holds the high watch during service. Um, we hold the high watch for special events. And what that is is one practitioner or two or a dozen, who cares, sitting in meditation knowing only God, just knowing only God. And could you imagine if that's what we did every day of our lives, walking around, doing our business, being in the world but not of it. That's what that means, right? Knowing only God. How would that change our lives? How would that change our lives? Living in oneness only, all the time. There's no problems in God. There is no lack in God. There's no struggle in God, regardless of what the conditions are. There's only truth. And that is a high vibration to be in. Did you ever, did you ever feel that when you come out of meditation? Like, all right, everybody here meditates, right? Meditators, raise your hands. Oh, thank you, God. Okay, we all meditate. So you know what I'm talking about. You know how when you come out of meditation sometimes and you're like, oh, and your vibration is so high, maybe your feet aren't even touching the ground, right? You're there. You are in that high vibration. You're in that oneness vibration. You are in the high watch. As Emma Curtis Hopkins referred to it, right? Keep your eyes lifted and you're in the high watch all the time. That's what this high vibration is. And everything vibrates at a different frequency. Everything does. We're all energy. There's only energy. Um, uh, Nikola, Nikola Tesla said this. He said, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. That's all there is. That is all there is. And we know this. I mean, we've known this for a long, long time, right? We know um, the work that Max Planck and Niels Bohr did, right, in the 20s, um, quantum physics. When they started doing their work in quantum physics, everything is one thing. They found that out, right? Everything is connected to everything else. And, and energy is just everything, is the source of everything. Everything is vibrating at, at its own frequencies. And, and here's, here's even the best thing. Here's what Max Planck said. He said, all matter originates and exists only by virtue of a force which brings the particles of an atom uh, to vibration and holds this most minute solar system of the atom together. We must assume behind this force the existence of a conscious and intelligent mind. This mind is the matrix of all matter. That was Max Planck. Who knew he was a metaphysician? <laughs> oh my gosh, science proving spirituality. You gotta love it. And, and of course the ancient people knew this as well. They didn't know the science behind it, but they knew it intuitively. The mystics knew it. That's why this philosophy of ours is called New Thought Ancient Wisdom because we went back to the source. Ernest Holmes went back to the source, these original mystics who knew the truth, even though they couldn't prove it scientifically. They knew it. We knew this a long time ago. And then we took a side trip, didn't we? As a, as a people, as a, as a species, we wound up taking that side trip into dualism with Rene Descartes and his Cartesian philosophy of dualism, right? Stuff and things, you know, parts is parts. <laughs> and, and, it, and it's like different. 
And one of the deepest and most lasting legacies of the Descartes philosophy was the thesis that mind and body are distinct, that they have nothing to do with each other. And that thesis is called mind-body dualism. And what we know is that it doesn't, it's, it, that's not the truth of us. Quantum physics came along after that. And here we are. Yeah. What the mystics knew all along, that there is only one that there is only energy, that there is only intelligence, that energy is all that there is, and it simply, uh, it, it simply outpictures in form, outpictures in form, outpictures in form, then absorbs itself back, and then outpictures again. There is only one. Energy is all there is. This is universal intelligence, and it flows into us. It flows into us from the source. Look, the truth is that spirit Mind, universal intelligence is all there is, and it is what gives life and direction to our brain. Our brain doesn't do it by itself. It is downloaded into. If universal intelligence didn't download itself into us, right, without universal mind, our brain is just a two-pound lump of water-fat neurons. <laughs> it wouldn't think a thing, you know? It responds to our frequencies, and it collects itself into form based on our most predominant thoughts. That's all it is. It's one thing just responding to itself, and we are itself. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, the approach to spirit is, is directly in our own mind, but mind cannot accept what it rejects. We either believe or we do not. We cannot believe and disbelieve at the same time. We cannot walk two ways at the same time. We must learn that the mind can, if we desire, be controlled so that we can gradually come into a habitual state of thinking the way we choose to think. This can only be possible when we recognize that thoughts are things. So we have to choose to think what we think. We have to train our minds. This is a mind training. We get to choose our thoughts. You know, some people's like, oh, I'm, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. Well, stop worrying. Well, I can't stop worrying. I can't stop worrying. Well, why not? You're the only person in there. <laughs> There's nobody else in there. It's like that old horror movie, you know, the call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> change your thinking change your thinking everything is one thing it's, it's energy and it vibrates at different frequencies energy vibration frequency again going back to the Tesla quote and we also know and it's been proven scientifically that higher frequencies are healing frequencies right you've read that with the force versus power and all those books the healthy body has a vibrational frequency range of about between 62 and 70 megahertz that's what's healthy for us. That's what's good. You know what lowers it? Junk food. <laughs> Things that we put in our bodies can lower that frequency. Coffee does for some weird reason, and I don't like that. <laughs> I'm going to have to think about that more. But, but a healthy body vibrates at about 62 to 70 megahertz. Now, you got a cold or the flu, you're vibrating at about 58 megahertz. Now, the cold doesn't lower the frequency of your vibrational energy, the lower frequency increases your susceptibility to disease. See how that goes? 
right? Okay, so so what is the stuff that lowers it? Well, it is it is it is you know our things of thought, our worry, our discontent, our grief, or whatever can lower those frequencies, and that makes us then susceptible to disease. This is why part of our spiritual practice is doing things to keep our vibration as high as it can. What kinds of things? I mean, like you know what they are. You do them, and don't you feel better? Right? The things that we do that raise our vibrational energy. You know, singing, right? Singing, dancing, music, meditation, prayer, walking, walking in the in the woods, walking by the ocean, sticking your bare feet on the grass, doing the loving your body exercise in the morning. Anybody? We do the loving exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, love, right? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful me. The other, the other wonderful body thing is to start at your toes and just before you even get out of bed, when you wake up, you do the love your body exercise, right? I love my toes. I love my toes. I'm so grateful for my toes. You start there, work your way all the way up. You love your toes because toes are really good, right? I mean, if it weren't for your toes, you'd be tipping over all the time. You know how it is, right? You lean forward and it's like, oh, you can feel your toes. They grip. Right? They, if they weren't there, you'll just fall right on your face. Every part of your body has a, has a gift it's giving you. So you do this thing. You do the love your body exercise before you even get out of bed. You go from your, your toes to your feet and your ankles and just love every single part. Every single part raises your vibration, raises your frequency. Loving your body is, is one of the best things that you can do to keep your vibration high so that you are resistant to whatever bug or, or thing is you know, like floating through human race consciousness. These practices keep our vibration at a higher level, at the, at the level of health. And Ernest Holmes said this, he said, healing is not creating the perfect idea or the perfect body. It is, a, it is revealing an idea that is already perfect. Healing is not a process, it's a revelation. That was in your quote this morning, Marcus, right? And so Ernest Holmes went on to say, there may be a process in healing, but not a process of healing. The process in healing is the mental work we do. The time it takes the practitioner, and we are all practitioners, right? Some of us are licensed, some of us are not, but we're all practitioners because we're all practicing this philosophy. He said it takes time for the practitioner to convince him or herself of the perfectness of the life, the perfectness of your life. And the length it t of time it takes for us to really absorb that, to absorb that truth of our perfection. Whether you're working with a licensed practitioner or you're on your own doing your own work at home, this is the way it works. This is the way it works all the time. Healing is the revelation of the truth of our wholeness, which has been there all along, been there all along beneath the illusion of our of our uh, uh, of the ideas of separation right beneath the illusion of separation so when we keep our thoughts on oneness on wholeness on perfect god perfect human perfect body perfect conditions will begin to outpicture because that's all we're filling ourselves with is truth this is our practice now isn't it this is what this is what we do, is to continue to reveal the truth. So what about the hurts? 
right? Because they're probably in there too somewhere, aren't they? What about the betrayals, the wounds, the false thoughts, the limiting beliefs, the, uh, the stuff we've been carrying around in our bodies up until now, right? You know that stuff. The things that are actually in, our, in the very cells of our body. Well, this is also part of our healing practice. Aya Ehime, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, said this. She said, you've got to resurrect the deep pain that is within you and give it a place to live that is not in your body. Let it live in your artwork. Let it live in your music. Let it live in writing. Let it be devoured by building brighter connections. Your body is not a coffin for pain to be buried in. Put it somewhere else. It's like, that is our practice, isn't it? That's our practice of healing. We heal it all right down to the cellular level. This is another part of our faith philosophy, ridding ourselves of these old energies, this negative energy, these lower vibrational energies that are still stored in the very cells of our bodies, making us more susceptible to illness, making us more susceptible to disease. Right, the grief we carry around with us, the longing, the unfulfilled desires in us, they play out somewhere in our body. You know, there's an old expression that says the body is the battlefield the mind goes to war on. Grief, it's a tough thing, right? The grief of losing a loved one. The longing of not finding that special someone you want to share your life with. The feelings of suppression of creativity. If you only could, you would, but you can't because whatever, whatever. The feelings of lack of good. Your good is out there somewhere, but it, it, it's not here and you haven't manifested it yet. The rejection of people around you, maybe that are supposed to love you, but they don't. All of these low vibrational feelings eventually play themselves out on our bodies. And so we go back to truth. And we know what Ernest Holmes said, healing is not a process but a revelation. For the revealing of the perfect human always heals. The process, if there is one, is the time and the thought it takes to arrive at the correct understanding of the human's perfect state in spirit. And that is the truth, because we're not our bodies, we're not our matter. Matter is simply spirit. That's why there is no material man, there is only spiritual man. There is only spiritual woman, because everything about us is spirit, right? We just said that in the beginning, God is all there is and there's only energy, so our bodies are energy, even the cells of our bodies are energy. So there is an energetic human. And this process is not hard or easy. It's a process. That's it. That's what Ernest Holmes said. Hmm. And this is another part of our, of our faith philosophy is remembering the truth that there is no big and little in spirit. There is no hard and easy in spirit. When we go to prayer for something, 
it, it doesn't matter what it is. You, uh, I'm going to go to spirit. You know, it's not harder to, to heal the flu than it is a head cold, right? In spirit, spirit doesn't know the difference. Emerson said it. There is no great and no small to the soul that maketh all, and where it cometh all things are, and it cometh everywhere. So there is, is just this one energy. Ernest Holmes said it's just as easy to, to demonstrate a million dollars as it is to demonstrate a dollar. No difference. Spirit doesn't have a clue, right? I mean, it, it's not harder and easier. Spirit simply reveals. That's all it does. God realized is God demonstrated. Thank you, Emma Curtis Hopkins, right? God realized is God demonstrated. So when we get it in our minds, we know it, we got it. And Ernest Holmes said this, he said, the philosophy of spiritual mind healing, which is what we do, affirmative prayer, is based on the conception that we are living in a universe of intelligence, a spiritual universe, that thoughts are things, that definite states of consciousness, as they become subjective, operate through a receptive field and tend to reproduce themselves in form. That's a whole lot of words for thoughts or things. <laughs> thoughts or things. That's what it is. We know that when we plant a seed, something happens to the seed. Something happens to the soil, right? Something happens to the seed. We don't tell the soil what to do. We don't even tell the seed what to do. We just do the planting. We, we tend the soil, we feed it, we fertilize it, we water it, we, we, we create an optimum environment, don't we, for the seed to become a plant. That's what we do with our own seeds of our own mind when we keep the high watch. When we're planting seeds of intention in our mind, we have to do the same thing with our thoughts, keep them high. Keep them positive. Keep that vibration up there, knowing, knowing the possibility. We create the optimum environment in, in our own personal use of universal intelligence so that our seeds of thought sprout as the manifestations in our lives. The seeds of thought that we desire, the ones we plant intentionally, that we want to, to, to reap the harvest of. We just have to know that it works. We don't have to know how it works. How does it work? I don't know. Ernest Holmes said, I don't know. <laughs> he knows that it works. He knows that it works. He knows that three aspects of the divine, the seed, soil, plant, the, the idea of getting implanted in subjective mind, subjective mind going to work automatically without question, manifesting something. And it manifests our most predominant thought. And what is that thought? If it's, if it's a fear thought or a low vibrational thought, and that's what outpictures. What if it's a high thought? It's the best outcome possible. Then that is what normally outpictures. We have to know that it works. We don't have to know how it works. In many cases, trying to figure out how it works is what keeps it from working, right? You know that, right? You're trying, you're struggling with understanding. How do we do this one? I don't know. I don't know how to work the law. I'm not good enough to direct the law. All these mental attitudes can actually delay manifestations, right? Because they're putting the brakes on spirit. You're, again, walking in two directions, right? That Ernest Holmes said we can't do, <laughs> right? We can't believe and doubt at the same time. So it almost puts the brakes on our manifestations, on our, on our receptivity. 
because we're like, eh, I don't know, let me figure it out, I don't have a clue, you know, I can't do this, I'm not smart enough, I haven't read enough, I haven't gone to enough classes or attended enough lectures or workshops or whatever, I don't know what I'm doing. All of that really is like holding yourself back. These mental attitudes can delay our manifestations. And, and Emma Curtis Hopkins said, the world will persist in exhibiting before you what you persist in affirming the world is. So if you say it's hard, it'll be hard. If you say, oh, manifesting is easy schmeasy, it is easy schmeasy. If you say, oh God, this is, this is gonna be a tough one, it will be. The world will persist in exhibiting before you what you persist in affirming it is. And when we say we're unable to, the universe goes, yep, <laughs> you're right. If you say, oh, good, this is going to take a long time, uh-huh, <laughs> yes, it is, yes, it is. Remember, your frequency, this is your frequency that the universe is responding to. Raise it, raise it. Remember your frequency, the higher the better. And Emma said something in, in one of her lectures, I don't even remember which one it is, but I bet you James knows. <laughs> she said, forgive my lack of confidence to command the law. Wow, isn't that us a lot of times? Lack of confidence to command the law. We stand in our power, we stand on our truth, and then we go, I don't know, is it gonna work? Maybe it's gonna work, maybe it's not gonna work, I don't know, I'll see. And then if it doesn't work, you're like, where are you, God? You know, time, 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 right? Not in God's timing, what's going on? <sighs> Forgive my lack of confidence to command the law. Stand up and claim it. Stand out there and claim it, right? You know you can heal. Know that you can heal. Accept it as truth. Even if everybody on earth says you can't do it. I don't care. I don't care if everybody on earth says I can't. Truth says you can. Truth says you can heal. Ernest Holmes said, healing is our birthright. It was true before anybody knew it. And it's true now, and it'll always be truth. Yeah, we have to know that it works. We peel away the effects. What lies beneath is wholeness. When we peel away the conditions, the false beliefs, the I can'ts, or I'm not educated enough, or I didn't go to school, or I don't have initials after my name, or I'm too old, or I'm too young, or whatever it happens to be, when we peel away those conditions, those false beliefs, those fear thoughts, those not enoughness thoughts, what lies beneath is wholeness. It has been there all along. Healing is the revelation of the truth of our being. Thank you, thank you. special treat for you. We got uh, Mr. Mark on accordion today. Say, oh, there we go. And thank you, Reverend Patty, for that beautiful message. And not only that, but you make an awfully cute Yoda. <laughs> All right.
So this is a, a Karen Drucker song, and uh, that's right, we're in the key of C. Um, this is a Karen Drucker song, and to fulfill this affirmation of healing and revealing, this is called Happy, Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. And every time we say that phrase, we want you to sing along, all mm -hmm. right?